Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Pacific Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, CEO of Pacific Asset Management, the sub-advisor for the Pacific Funds Fixed Income Strategies. Hello, and welcome to number 37. What follows is a recent discussion I had with Rebecca Smith of Pacific Funds about today's market, current events, and opportunities in fixed income. Let's get started. Now, Dominic, markets were rocked in February from the events happening in Ukraine. What takeaways did we see in performance for the month? Thanks, Rebecca. It's uh, February was a tough month. And ultimately, I think there are three, I'll call them irritants to the markets right now. First is inflation, right? That's, That's a little longer in nature, which leads to rates and that is hurting the bond market and the rates being the uncertainty of rates heavily driven by the uncertainty around monetary tightening. I should say the degree of monetary tightening. And then you have this, the Ukraine situation, which in general, that's to me, it's just showing a flight to safety. And the reason I say that is since mid-February, the 10-year treasury is down about 20 basis points. And the 10-year sitting around 2.05% in mid-February and now is inside of two, I think today it's hovering around 185. So with inflation numbers that are elevated and an economy that's doing well, the tenure should be holding firm, but that, that tells me it's a flight to safety. S&P's down, it was down 3%. Year to date, the S&P's down eight, and that's the close of February. The Russell One growth is down over 12%. Meanwhile, interestingly enough, international equities are actually outperforming right now and the bond with the ag, so investment grade bonds down over 3%, high yield down almost 4%, and floating rate loans are down 14 basis points. So they have been, uh, they've been defensive, but they were down 50 basis points in February. And again, I think that's just the result of a slight increase in risk premiums due to the things mentioned earlier. So lots of Im- Im- things impacting, and we'll, we'll dive into some of those. I think- Many of our listeners are concerned here, and we haven't mentioned it yet, but about the level and trajectory of inflation. And uh, what do you think? Let's uh, kind of frame it right now. The personal consumption expenditure, PCE, the price increase is about 6.1% year over year. That's a big number. So even X food and energy, it's up over 5% year over year. Private sector wages up over 11%. Unemployment claims are substantially lower. Unemployment claims are a little over 200,000 or 200,000. A year ago, there were 750,000. So the job market's strong. Omicron cases have plunged. That's a good thing, but it also means the economy is opening up further and it's accelerating. So you have corporate revenues higher by double digits, consumer net worth higher, job market strong. All these things, essentially our economy is accelerating into the Ukraine situation. So now when we take a look at the future of inflation, I think one monetary stimulus hasn't real, it's still net dovish at this time. Think about the Fed has not raised rates yet. It's happening probably in two weeks. And the balance sheet is still increasing at this time. So we have not had the effect of tightening monetary stimulus. Supply chains are consistently strained. Labor supply, I think that's that's the big uncertainty in my mind. How long will labor supply be tight? And then you have elevated commodity prices and in the housing market, you still have low inventory. So from the standpoint of inflation and how do we get that to calm down here? 
the monetary stimulus aspect, that's going to be net hawkish very shortly. So that's going to flip. The supply chain issues, I believe, and have maintained the belief that it's certainly COVID related. So with Omicron, with cases dropping substantially here in the US and other areas of the world, I would hope the supply chains start to ease. The big uncertainty for me is labor supply. From that standpoint, there's we did see a, increased levels of retirement from, uh, I, I believe that's COVID related, not necessarily from the standpoint of folks uh, being fearful, but more folks realizing they probably don't want to work and their consumer net worth, et cetera, has accelerated. Maybe they push forward their retirement. And you have a tranche of folks that are still a little fearful. And then you have government support. So the labor supply dynamic to me is, is the toughest to underwrite. And I think that will be, if anything, that may sustain the inflation pressures. But it's going to start with monetary stimulus flipping. And then I would hopefully see supply chains start to ease over the next two to three months, which should sort of decrease that inflation trajectory with the rate of inflation. So that gives the impact that we can expect from here in the U.S. Um, and supply chains are certainly global. But how have events overseas impacted our expectations on inflation? You've seen the price of oil jump significantly. Is that playing a role? How has it impacted our expectation? Certainly. I, I mean, here we're seeing a short-term flight to safety due to the, the conflict in, in Eastern Europe. I would think on the margin, you're going to see some travel weakness. And we've seen energy and commodity surges. So I would say, first and foremost, it's the surging of energy, energy and commodity prices. And then below that is travel weakness. We're going to see how long that lasts. You know, underwriting that situation is a bit difficult, but I would expect if that subsides, energy and commodity prices subside, travel begins to pick up. But right now, I think that's base. Uh, and we're talking capital markets. I mean, from a geopolitical standpoint, many other factors that have significantly more impacts. But just looking at U.S. US companies and general inflation right now. So that a, mu a much smaller player versus what you've mentioned as the labor markets, um, you know, supply chains and the overseas issues aren't playing a key role in, in, in your view. On the margin, a role, hard for me to say key. Now, someone argued, listen, it affects not gas prices and oil prices. So it's a bit subjective right now on that. Key role in certain markets, energy markets, yes. Other markets right now on the US side, not as much. All right, so given this level of inflation, Market participants were eyeing down a 50 basis point Fed rate hike to start off in March. Is that still on the table? My opinion is that's off the table and largely due to the conflict in Ukraine. It was 50-50 a couple of weeks ago or prior to the invasion of Ukraine. The Fed would go 50 basis points in March. Chair Powell came out and said he supports a 25 basis point raise, but does reserve the right to possibly increase 50 basis points if the rate of inflation remains elevated. So where does that leave us now? A couple of weeks, market is expecting the Fed to raise by 25 basis points. Rate hikes for 2022 are in the five to six hike range, depending on you know, which, uh, which forecast you go with, and probably another five more in 2023. And so the range right now of the Fed cycle is I would say on the low end, eight to nine hikes. On the high end, as much as 12 to 13 hikes, which puts the Fed funds rate between two and 
by the end of next year. That's where we sit today. The key is going to be the rate of inflation. And if inflation remains elevated in this 5 6% range, let's say this summer, you may start to see a Fed accelerate. So in my opinion, watching PCE and CPI in Q2 is going to be pretty critical. Can we get any sense for how the Fed may adjust to recent events? You look at 50 basis points now not being on the table. Is that just a flight to safety? Is the Fed now looking at this conflict, making adjustments, or will they stick to the data? A little bit of all that, which said, Rebecca, I, I would say, if anything, the uncertainty of the conflict has softened the stance for this meeting. The trick is, a little bit of a bind is that this conflict net net is inflationary from the standpoint of energy prices. So you, you run into a stagflation sort of environment where you have elevated elevated costs, elevated inflation, but you certainly you could have slowing growth. So again, it remains to be seen what happens. If anything, what's bad for markets, risk, et cetera, is escalation of the conflict in Ukraine. And, and that to me is the real uncertainty that's driving a flight to safety is is the, the threat of escalation. But, so, so the Fed, Fed, Fed is going to be iterative in this. Fed's going to be iterative, but they're determined to uh, attack inflation. So is there any sense in which the Fed put comes back into play? Yes, but I, I think we talked about this last call. I, I believe it's deeper out of the money. So if the market continues to correct, again, the market is, is softening predominantly due to inflation, tightening of monetary policy, and now the the, the invasion, I I would think they were they they would return dovish if you have a really adverse event. My opinion, it would probably come out of the third element, the invasion. So if you have an escalation that leads to a very adverse event that dramatically affects global growth, yeah, you probably have the Fed put come into play. But right now, like I said, the, our economy is accelerating into this. Hopefully, that is a low probability event. So let's talk about how Russia's actions might affect credit uh, specifically. So from what we've seen so far, what have been the primary effects? What can you point to as being impacted so far by the conflict? You know, the easy answer is energy prices. I mean, you've seen crude prices up substantially. Again, on the margin, you're seeing travel decrease. But overall, it's just on the margin of general flight to safety. Again, it's a little, uh, we're getting redundant here. The fear and uncertainty around escalation, it, to me, is it, that's that's the overhang on the markets right now. And and if you think about the outcomes here, if Putin Putin decides to take a scorched earth mentality and just wipe out, essentially, is he's willing to win at all costs? That everybody loses there. Uh, you have a situation where what I think would be what people want is somehow they're able to whether it be let Putin out of this, uh, give the Ukrainians relief, and they both accept some sort of compromise. Maybe it's a little dirty, but whatever you call it, it preserves lives and prevents escalation. And then the third element is just Putin is no longer in power over there, which that to me is highly unlikely at this time. So if you get that compromise, then I think you have a market market rebound, 10-year treasury yields move higher, sovereign yields move higher, and then energy prices you know, calm down on the margin. So that is that is really the element that the market is having trouble underwriting is escalation or de-escalation um, and what happens there. So until that happens, I think the market's going to be a little tense and risk premiums will continue to, uh, to be elevated. Are there, any, are there any specific sectors outside of energy 
that have seen impact or are at risk? I think at risk is uh, here in the U.S., I'm so, I wouldn't say at risk, get on the margin, you know, travel and leisure, international travel and leisure to me would be is something on the margin you're going to see sort of pause or maybe uh, uh, not be as robust. But the U.S. market right now, U.S. companies are doing quite well. So in, in essence, or to summarize, not that big of an impact at this point? Again, not, uh, in my opinion, no. And with a big caveat. So let's switch gears really quick. Lightning round. As a reminder, I will give you a word or short phrase, and you'll tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. So we'll start with the current state of the U.S. economy. Strong. The global economy. Strong. The length of the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. Hope it ends tomorrow, but um, personally, it probably will stick with citizens there for a generation or more. How much COVID will impact the U.S. economy going forward? From a health risk standpoint, I would think have a low impact. From a policy standpoint, more uncertain, but I would hope that's a low impact. From a supply chain standpoint, still meaningful. The direction of inflation by June. Lower. Midterm elections. I think at least one chamber moves red, probably both. Supply chain bottlenecks. Stubborn. And the Major League Baseball strike. Uh, a little near and dear to my heart. Uh, the Commissioner Manfred was appointed as, to me, he's a union buster. Just so you know, folks, for those who care about baseball, he was outside counsel for the owners in 94. So in my opinion... He's a person that's willing to compromise the brand of the game for the owners. And uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, that's, uh, they appointed him for a reason and uh, is, he very much wants to bust the union. Turning one more time to markets, with this volatile economic backdrop, where do you see opportunities in fixed income? Well, it's, I still maintain the position on what I've had in floating rate loans since early last year. But things are certainly more interesting. So just to give you a sense, with a little bit of spread widening and rates moving higher, intermediate investment grade corporates right now are two and three quarters percent yields. Triple B corporates are three and a quarter to three and a half. And U.S. high yield right now is about five and a half percent yields. So the double Bs are coming in high fours. The single Bs are coming in high fives. So the yield environment on the fixed rate side is certainly more interesting. And I may have, I may be saying nibble at bonds. However, on the loan side, what is, what makes it attractive? Again, corporations are doing strong. You still have the inflation element that is not accelerating, but, but very stubborn right now. So the forward curve, which incorporates future hikes, and the hikes, again, we're sitting at uh, expectations of eight plus hikes over the next two years. That makes the forward curve very appealing to loans and puts their uh, four-year, what they call a discount margin, in the 6% range. And so you have loans that are weakening a little bit. You have a forward curve that's very uh, beneficial for the coupon on these things. So I'm still in the camp of loans, but... Wouldn't surprise me if I start to change my tune in the next month or two. And just to kind of summarize, it sounds like loans and high yield bonds look like the highest relative value with investment grade credit, uh, the longer investment grade stuff coming into its own, especially with a few more rate hikes. 
and then everything else. Yeah, I think there will be a time when duration is going to be a friend and uh, not quite yet, though. So when you say if your relative value shifts, what does that mean next month? Meaning when I look at when I look at risk reward and thoughts about the next one to two years in returns, it's just a sense of an overweight. So to me, loans have been attractive, continue to be attractive, but uh, there may be more interesting value in fixed rate at some point. Great. So as we think about just how trying times are for many right now in the world, can we switch gears? Can you share a personal reflection with us? I thought a lot about this one, but in the end, the month of March uh, ran across as a month of awareness. And I saw that and looked it up and sure enough, there's a lot of elements that March being quote an awareness month. So with all that is happening, we're at a passage that we must keep the future, keep in mind the future is uncertain and it's vast. So we should very much be aware of it, but don't suffer especially in advance of the future. I think when I read don't suffer in advance of the future was something that resonated with me. So essentially be aware, but not bothered by the future. And um, I'll end with, uh, I think the motto is Slava Ukraini, which is just an honor Ukraine. It's just the situation is so unfortunate for that country. Thank you and stay tuned. The views in this commentary are as of the publication date and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice, an endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice as market and other conditions warrant. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. All third-party trademarks referenced belong to their respective owners.